0: You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Humby Savetta. So full disclosure, for those of you who s- just saw that video, and that's not the best picture I've ever taken in my life. <laughs> the reason it looks like I'm just kind of like nodding and mouthing things, it's because I had no idea what any of the lyrics were to this song. <laughs> I, when I showed up that day, that was literally the first time I'd ever heard this song, so... Uh, Yeah, just just know from now on, every time you see it, just be like, man, Humby doesn't know the words. He's just opening and closing his mouth, Um, which happens a lot. I just open my mouth and close it just all the time, just (laughs) nonsense comes out. Uh, So anyways, let's get to to this, let's get this thing started. Um, For as some of you have noticed, uh, I've been kind of out for the last few weeks. Uh, I saw somebody like cheer back there that I was gone. Don't talk to me after the service. (laughs) Um, But no, I've been gone, and the reason I've been gone uh, is because my wife just recently gave birth to our second child, Camila Grace. (laughs) When everybody over with a cute picture of my daughter, check, (laughs) nailed it. So we have, she's our second, so our oldest is a boy. His name is Jude, and I've been amazed... How much more complex having two kids in the house is uh, more than just one. Like, when having as many kids in the house as adults has just been, it's been a lot more complicated. So, I don't even want to start thinking about those of you that have like three kids or four kids or five kids. All of y'all are crazy as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm looking at it and I'm going, we can't have any more kids in this house, honey, I'm telling her all the time, this is it, we're done. So I've decided that I'm gonna take up like a really time-consuming hobby, like collecting stamps just to make sure that all of my time is taken up and I don't have to worry about any more kids. So in our house, um, we've noticed that a lot of times our time and our attention will just get focused on the baby, right, on Camila. She's crying, there's things going on, bottles, whatever, like whatever it is, uh, you gotta go run and and like make it happen at that second. It's a different sense of urgency than our son who's a little bit older and he'll like walk around and he reads his books and plays with cars and trucks and whatever and then all of a sudden like he starts acting all crazy and jumping off of stuff and just kinda acting a fool and I'm like, what's going on? And then I realize it's been like an hour and a half, two hours since I paid attention him or like talk to him because he's been sitting there so quietly. So in our house, we have to make it a point uh, to spend time with him, to be intentional about the time that we spend with him. So one day my wife needed me to go run an errand and go pick some stuff up at Walgreens. And uh, that day would also happen to be when Sonic was selling Transformers slushies for 79 cents. So my son loves Transformers and Love slushies because who doesn't love a delicious slushie, right? So we go over there and I'm like, you know what? We're going to go do it. Let's get in the car, son. Just me and you have some special uh, daddy son time, right? So we get there, order the slush. He's all about Optimus Prime. So he wants that Optimus Prime slush. Uh, I go, we, you know, pull into the booth, sit him down. I let him sit in the front seat, which he gets so excited about get the slushes, get some french fries and some onion rings, and we're sitting there eating and just have a great time. I'm asking him questions, and he's talking and just having the best time. It's actually, that was the day that I learned uh, that my son, he told me, I want to be a chef, daddy. And I was like, oh, cool. And then he goes, here at Sonic. (laughs) Said, whatever you do, I got your back. Just make sure you hook me up with some slushes, all right? So we had a great time. Uh, I, we finished up our food. He, he still got some slush left. I'd put him in the back and we'd go to Walgreens. And as we're going through the aisles, he's like, oh, grabs some candy off the, the shelf. Daddy, 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 can I get this? Can I get this? And I'm like, no, Papa, you've got some sugar. You know, you've, you're, you're okay on sugar right now. Just let's just put this back. And so he puts it back, walks a couple more steps. Oh, daddy, daddy, can we get this one? Can we get this kind of candy? And I'm like, no, we can't get this one. I already said, let's just go ahead and and get out of here. And so he's a little bit beside himself, but he manages and we get out of there and we're driving back home, driving down Fredericksburg. Now on Fredericksburg, there's a place that is fantastic. One of my favorites, it's called Snow Monkey. And what they're known for is shaved ice. And not any kind of shaved ice, not like a regular raspa, right? Where like, you know, you order the blue coconut and if you take it into the dark, it glows because it's like radioactive stuff that's used in there. You don't know what goes into that syrup that they pump on, right? But here at Snow Monkey, their syrup is like when you order a strawberry, There's like actual strawberries in the syrup. They like make it in the back and it's phenomenal. Then they stick some ice cream inside of it. Then they put sweet cream on the top. It's delicious. So we're driving down Fredericksburg. We're passing up Snow Monkey. My son is drinking an Optimus Prime slush, takes the straw out of his mouth and goes, Daddy, Daddy, can we stop at Snow Monkey? And I'm like, son, (laughs) you've got a slush in your mouth. And he goes, I know, but I don't have a snow monkey. (laughs) So isn't that just like the rest of us? We all do the same thing, right? We get an iPhone, but the new one comes out a few months later, and we look at our phone like it's a piece of junk because it has a headphone jack on it like a peasant, right? (laughs) Or we daydream about all the stuff we would buy if we won the lottery. Or we think about that one friend who's like always on social media and they always got like the best pictures of food and they're on vacations around the world and just doing all the cool stuff and we wish we could have that. Or we think about our spouse or significant other and we think about how we wish they could like fit the personality that we want them to fit, right? That they would react to things the way that we want them to react. The point is, is that we think That if these things happened, if we got exactly what we wanted, then it would make our life that much better. Now, what's interesting in this line of thinking is that it's not new. This isn't new to just our generation of people. As a matter of fact, we see this idea in the Bible. So, you might remember a few weeks back, Pastor Lee Wong talked about King Solomon, who around 970 BC as a teenager was crowned king over Israel. Now, in his youth, he had an understanding heart that sought out to, re- to acquire wisdom. And he used all that wisdom to be regarded as the greatest king that ever ruled in Israel. So over the next 40 years of his rule, Solomon prioritized his life to achieve some incredible feats. He became an innovator, a real estate mogul, an agricultural pioneer, and he accumulated a ridiculous amount of, all, of livestock and pr- they produced the finest goods from them. By today's market value, Solomon amassed for himself a net worth of $222 trillion, with a T. So to put that in perspective, Bill Gates, the richest man in the United States, one of the richest men in the world, is only worth a little more than $90 billion. Solomon could also pay off all the U.S. national debt, and still have more than $200 trillion left to play with. So there was nothing that Solomon didn't have. Anything he could think of, he could get. He was the most rich and powerful person on the earth. But when you start digging into what he wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes, you see how he really felt about all the things that would drive him and other people in this world. So let's start with uh, one of the things that Solomon was known for, his wisdom, right? We talk about his wisdom. He was one of the smartest people in the world and you had to have been to amass a fortune like that, right? Like you don't just trip and accidentally fall into $222 trillion, you've got to be a wise person. And however, here in Ecclesiastes 1, Solomon explains how things went for him when seeking out that knowledge and that wisdom was the driving force in his life. There in Ecclesiastes 1, it says, I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. So being smart and informed and having knowledge of the world, it's a good thing. However, when you try to get all the wisdom, it's like chasing the wind. Now think about that. How successful do you think you would be if you chased the wind? Probably not very successful, right? And not only that, how silly do you think you would look if you were running down the street chasing the wind? Pretty silly. And that's what Solomon equates to chasing all the knowledge in the world. Now, when you're inundated by it, it can become a real problem. Now, we've all felt that feeling in the pit of our stomach when we see like a a sad news story, right? Like for those of us that saw the trailer that got found at a Walmart where eight people died and everybody was dehydrated on it last night, you kind of got that feeling. Or when you're scrolling through your social media feed and you see people posting, this is the worst our country has ever been. Or you see other people saying, you little snowflakes, figure it out, toughen up. Makes you feel something sometimes. Now all this exposure to media affects us in very specific ways. And there is scientific evidence to back up this biblical principle first brought up by Solomon. The greater your wisdom, the greater your grief. See, Dr. Allison Holman from the University of California in Irvine led and published a 2013 study after the Boston Marathon bombings. Now, this study looked at 4,500 people from across the country and measured their reactions to the bombings. And this is what they found. There she said, people who exposed themselves to six or more hours of media daily actually reported more acute stress symptoms than did people who were directly exposed, meaning they were at the site of the bombings. So people who exposed themselves to six or more hours of media daily, that's TV, radio, uh, online, anything that you do there, people that did that more than six hours daily were more affected by the bombings than people who actually heard the bomb go off with their own ears than people that actually saw the fire exploding from the bomb, than people who actually saw people getting carted off in ambulances. That's the effect that media can have on you. That ties directly back to Solomon when he says, to increase knowledge only increases sorrow. So let's look back at Solomon. He was known as the wisest king and he was known as the richest king. So what does he have to say about being driven by money? Let's take a look at Ecclesiastes. There in chapter five, he says, "'Those who love money will never have enough.'" How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. There will never be enough money for anyone who loves it. Not only that, but when you get that wealth, everybody's coming with open hands, right? Now, this biblical principle was revisited very famously in 1997. The great researcher and scholar, the notorious B.I.G., said it like this, mo' money, mo' problems. I don't know what they want from me. It's like the more money we come across, the more problems we see. Hey. Y'all couldn't handle me busting out Biggie's next verse right there, all right? I just want you to know that. I kept it, kept it low. <laughs> so, for some people... The money isn't really the issue, right? Some people just want to amass money and they leave it in the bank or whatever. But there are other people who want the money for the lifestyle. They want the money for the stuff, the status, and everything that comes along with it. Well, Solomon hits on that too in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. There he says, I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me. And my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything i had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like what? chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Making money to buy stuff is like chasing the wind. Finding great pleasure in hard work is meaningless. Possessing as much knowledge and wisdom of the world as possible only increases your sorrow. Solomon was a downer, man. (laughs) So before we move any further, I just want to throw a disclaimer out here. There might be someone out there that's telling themselves, well, Humby's given me permission. I don't have to do anything anymore. Everything's meaningless. No, that is wrong. That is not the case. Solomon did not want you to be a slacker. You see, Solomon made each one of these things, knowledge and wealth, The driving factor in his life that's what got him up in the morning, that's what made him go. That's what we're trying to explain to you guys. If one of these things is your driving factor in your life, you are not living the blessed up life. So, what actually has meaning? What does Solomon think is worthwhile of your time and efforts? How do we get that blessed up life? Well, he says that in Ecclesiastes 5. Even so. I've noticed one thing, at least, that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. This is what this whole thing is about, guys. When you are content with life, when you accept the consequences, or excuse me, the circumstances that are in front of you and actually enjoy it, then you can get the gift from God. So if you are great and wise and knowledgeable and well-studied, that's awesome. Appreciate it. If you aren't that, Appreciate that too. If you're someone who is struggling to make ends meet every month, appreciate that. Appreciate the things that are there. Or if you're someone who has a fancy job and great wealth, appreciate that. If you have kids, if you don't have kids, if you're married, not married, you have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you don't, whatever it is, appreciate it. That is what Solomon is trying to explain. So, pastor and author Jeff Mannion has this to say about being content and being satisfied in life. There he says, Contentment is the cultivation of a satisfied heart. It is the discipline of being fully alive to God and to others, whatever our material circumstances. Contentment is not achieved through getting everything we want, but by training the heart to experience full joy and deep peace. Even when we don't have what we want. So, Solomon wants you to stop doing meaningless things. He wants you to stop chasing the wind. He wants you to be thankful of what God has put in front of you. He wants you to get that gift from God. That's why today's major key alert is this stop chasing the wind, be content, and get your gift from God. Stop chasing the wind, be content. And get your gift from God. So, here are three practical steps that you can take each day to help appreciate the things that God has put into your life. The first one is at the end of each day, think about the good things you have experienced. Now, whatever it is that might have made you smile, as something as simple as that, think about all those good things that happen throughout your day. Then, second, Write those things down, whether it's uh, in a journal or, uh, you know, in some sort of spiral or just like loose paper, Post-its, whatever. You can put it in your phone, in your notes app, or you can like send yourself emails, whatever. Catalog these things that happen. And third, share those things with at least one person. Remember, we wanna prioritize and pursue intimacy in a God-centered community like Pastor Lee talked about a few weeks back. So something as simple as this can be the start of you cultivating a satisfied heart. And then after that, a week goes by, take a look back at what you cataloged during the week. Then after a month goes by, take a look back at all the great things that have happened. And you'll be cultivating that idea of contentment in your heart. Now, in spite of this, in spite of Solomon Finding the wisdom, doing all the research, doing everything, handing us the keys of living up a blessed up life, he knew and understood the heart of people. He knew that possessing this knowledge might not be enough to keep us all satisfied. In Ecclesiastes, he says this: "Everything is wearisome, beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. So once again, Solomon the downer. You can know the right info. You could be given the keys, but you're not going to follow through with it. Solomon knew that on our own, we can't find true contentment in our lives. So let's fast forward a few hundred years past Solomon and go to the place of Samaria. So it's, it's late in the afternoon, and there's a woman Going to the well to get some water. Now, this well was very special. It belonged to the Old Testament hero Joseph after it was passed down to him by his father Jacob. Now, this woman was someone who knew exactly what it was like to be living in seasons of chasing the wind, of doing things that she felt were meaningless. You see, this woman had been married five times and divorced five times and was currently living with someone who she wasn't married to. So think about that. How many times do you think this woman would look back on her life and say, man, that was chasing the wind. That was meaningless. Why did I waste my time with that? So as she continues to walk to the well, she sees a Jewish man sitting down next to it. Now, you got to remember, you got to know, in this time, Jewish men didn't speak to Samaritan women because they were considered continuously unclean, spiritually unclean. But on this day, the man spoke to her. He asked her if she could draw him some water out of the well. Now, this was baffling to the woman because for her entire life, she had been constantly ignored by these Jewish men. Not only that, she knew she was like not living a great life according to these people. She was spiritually unclean. So she asked him, why would you want me, a spiritually unclean person, to get you, a Jewish man, a drink of water? So this is how the man answered in John 4. There he says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, You would ask me, and I would give you living water. So here, this lady is speaking to Jesus, God himself, in the form of a man right in front of her, but she doesn't realize it's him. She's confused by what Jesus is offering. She replies, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water from the well will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Here, this lady just wanted a drink. She was thirsty and it was through this that she received something so valuable, so much greater than a jar of water. Through her belief in Jesus, she received the greatest gift God has for any of us, and eternity in heaven. There is nothing, nothing meaningless about that. So here is my favorite part of the story. After this woman realizes who she is talking to and how her life has been changed forever, she finishes the conversation with Jesus as the disciples are walking back up and look at what she does when she's done. In John 4, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone. The thing that motivated her, that got her up and got her out of the house, she forgot about. She left it there at the well because she had gotten something so much better. Now, for some of you, you haven't gotten the chance to experience that living water because you haven't started a relationship with Jesus yet. You've been chasing the wind by constantly hooking up. You've been chasing the wind by purchasing the newest and coolest stuff. You've been chasing the wind by amassing knowledge and reading things so you can have arguments to tell people why this Jesus thing isn't real. You've been chasing the wind by drinking and smoking and snorting every single chance that you get, but you already know it's meaningless. It's temporary. It's going to leave you thirsty for something real. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to stop chasing the wind. I want you to stop chasing meaningless things. I want you to lay down your water jar. And I want you to accept the gift that Jesus has for you. Living water that will always keep you content and satisfied. Let's bow our heads and pray. For those of you that haven't started your relationship with Jesus yet, this is your chance right now to do just that. Just to yourself, pray something like this. Along with me. Jesus, I'm not really sure who you are, and I'm not really sure what you are all about, but right here, right now, I want to follow you the best way I know how. I want to stop chasing meaningless things and start chasing after you. I believe that you died on the cross for all the wrongs I have done in this world. Thank you for understanding me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for your patience with me. So with our heads still bound, for everyone else in this room, whether you just became a believer or you've been one for a while, I want you to pray this along with me. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for being a part of my life. Help me remember all the ways you have blessed me. Help remind me of all the great things that I have in my life. Keep me from chasing the wind. Keep me from running after meaningless things. Remind me to lay my water jar down and drink from the well of Jesus the one that gives living water. Amen. So as Jesse continues to to play here, I want to give you guys the opportunity to come to the front. Now, when you come to the front, this will be a physical response to the prayer you just had. It'll be you coming to the front and laying your water jar down. We've got a couple of rugs back here. There are a couple of rugs back there in front of the screens. And for the rest of us, I just want you to sit there and ponder and appreciate the living water that's been given to you. So here's your chance to leave your jug behind. So Jesus... Thank you for this time that you've given us to connect with you. Thank you for your well. Thank you for living water. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.